Hugo, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Yes, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, for the listeners who do not know who you are, you are the amazing hand balancer on Luzia. Yeah, what's left of it. <laughs> <laughs> and But you've been actually working in the circus for a very long time. So before we get to talk about Luzia, can you take us from the very beginning? How did your circus and circus journey start? Uh, circus, my mom put me to circus school when I was around six years old, I think. I remember not liking it at the beginning because it was a lot of like group <laughs> activities and I've never been a big fan of that stuff and like juggling with pieces of tissue and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, later on when a really good coach showed up we started like doing like just uh, handstand floor acrobatics and hand to hand and then i really liked it and also some professional people would like show up and train there and that's when i had the click and was just like yeah i just want to do this the again. professional people they were hand balancers and acrobats and stuff well a lot of pressure professional artists like a lot of them it's hard to keep track but i got in touch with the alexis brothers mm-hmm. it's like my the coach i had at the time pascal angeli was coming from traditional circus knew them And when I saw that, he was just like, dude, like, oh, I want to be strong and do planches and do all that stuff. And that's how it just clicked. And I just kept going, never stopped. And here I am after a yeah. shoulder surgery in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> the Alexi brothers, they were the hand-to-hand pair on Mister and on Saltimanco. Huge in the circ- industry and in Cirque du Soleil to their circus legends. Yeah, big legends right there. And super nice people who I got to meet the flyer twice. And super nice that guy, like down to earth, ready to talk, like super chill, really good people. They were for you the click, the inspiration for you to start training more seriously. Uh, maybe not only them, but I think circus was, it was like the biggest influence to be like, yo, like I really like like the purity and strength and it's like, it's simple, but at the same time, it's like strong and like really good tricks and just solid. And I don't know, I just found it super class. And I was just like, dude, I just want to do that. And also I was always like attracted by strength stuff, like seeing like gymnasts on rings, like Yuri Van Gelder, Jordan Jovchev, Yuri Keki, all that stuff. So yeah, and uh, circus school. So I was in that tiny circus school in the north of France because that's where I'm from. Stayed there until I was uh, 16 or 17, time to finish academic school. Mm-hmm. Then went to the north of France for preparatory school for a year. Then I did the audition in Montreal. I got in. Did the National Circus School and then started working like gigs. Circle was for two, three years, then Cirque du Soleil for Lucia, and here I am. What was your specialty in Montreal in Circus School? Uh, Montreal, actually, when I did the audition, I I wanted to do handstands, and it was either Montreal or Kiev. Mm-hmm. And when I did the audition, so I, I did all everything I had to do in handstand, and they were like, "Oh, you have a bigger body and tiny legs, so you're gonna do straps." And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> But actually, like the teacher that I had was really like into like ring stuff and gymnastics and was just about strength stuff. So I loved it and just went for it. And Montreal, as you know, like you did it as well. We have mm-hmm. two specialties, major, minor. My major was straps. My minor was uh, handstand. So I got to do both and mm-hmm. it was good. <laughs> If I could define your style, the quality of your work, it's really what you were talking about at the beginning. It's very simple, very essential. Like you can always tell in your act that it's, you have one idea and you just go very deep in that one simple idea. Yes, I've never, I mean, it's for what I like to do. Like what I like to do and what I like to watch is very different. But like when I train or I don't know, whenever I want to present something, yeah, it's always been like very simple. There is no big concept. It's just like, hey, this is me and that's why I enjoy doing it. Like that's, I hope you like it. That's it. And when I was doing straps, it's never like we would train like big 
tricks and stuff, but I was really never into this. It was just like, okay, I like to keep it more simple to just make it like super nice, slow, clean, smooth, like as much as I can to be able to present something that's not perfect, but like super clean that you have nothing to say about it. And also those were the acts I was always attracted to that maybe not like the highest level of technique, even though I enjoy watching that, but it's like so clean that you have just like, oh, wow, just, I don't know what to say. Like There's nothing to say about it. It's just nice. And always the strength aspect too. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, not just like me. If I can do a plunge, I'm happier. Yeah. Like even now in Lusia, like I don't know how many plunges I do in the act, but it's just uh, pretty much a plunge festival. Yeah, strength and control very clean very masterized movement is really what you would say define your style yeah this is simple and having a good time but now it's more that i is like i enjoy like technique like I, when i see a circus act i i mean it's just a question of taste i don't want to spit on anyone it's just mm -hmm. a question of taste but it's like i need to see tricks like i'm more like traditional style i enjoy more this type of circus somehow but it's just that the older i get now it's like less about technique it's more about having fun on stage Like on Lucia, what I really like about the act, it's because I remember when I showed up in creation for this, they were like, okay, you're, I'm, I'm a lifeguard in a show and I do handstand on those canes that you have to stack. Like, so you go higher and higher and at the end mm -hmm. it gets loose and you swing on top of them. And I'm supposed to be a, a lifeguard on, on this. <laughs> yes, tank top and the mustache. Yeah, and, and at the beginning it was really like, okay, you have to be a strong man and show it and blah, 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 and act a little bit, not like a douchebag, but yes, like a douchebag. And I was like, dude, I don't want to do this. Like, it's just, I like strength and everything. And, but it's like the pretentiousness that comes with it. I truly fucking hate that shit. Mm. And for me, it's either like, if you really want to show off, I need to make fun of it. I need to have fun as well. So I started like making a bit of a parody of this and actually really mm. like, especially when I heard the music, it was like, dude, okay, let's go, let's have fun. Like I cannot be serious on that stuff. And now it's like, that's what's great. Like on stage, I can show up, I can do my planches, do my strength stuff. I'm really happy with that. And also I get to let my inner stupid out for a walk on stage. And that's fucking amazing. Yeah, for sure. During the creation of the show, did the directors like when you presented that first proposition of like, not necessarily the serious strong man that they intended to have, but more of a parody of it? Yeah. Like but from the beginning, it clicked. And Daniel was there. I was like, okay, yeah, actually, I really like this one. Yes, please. Okay, let's go. Boom. And I just pushed for this. And also, I don't want to say what I'm good at because that's pretentious, but it's like what naturally comes out of me. Because sometimes, like when you force someone to act some certain way, it just doesn't work. And at the end, it looks like shit. Mm -hmm. And that way, they were really cool about this. And the first time we had a big presentation, uh, I, wait, I showed up for creation in november 2015 and we had you know the lion's den the first big presentation mm -hmm. and actually he was there for that and man that was fucking stressful <laughs> yeah for sure it's like the big boss walking in just and he was late so you warm up like 20 times you're dead you're shaky you're stressed mm. you just see it and it's like okay go and you're like okay <laughs> <laughs> but actually he had a great time he was it was really nice and he enjoyed it and then we just like, kept on going it was completely fine Uh, that's so fun. And like, was working for Cirque something that you wanted to do when you started Cirque School? Like, was it like something you were like, okay, in my career, I, want, I would like to work with Cirque eventually? Yeah, definitely always attracted to that company because I grew up looking at like many like mighty artists that work there and the show were just like, I don't know. Well, as a kid watching this, it was just like pure magic from the beginning to the end. There was like the super high technical level, like the artistry, everything like blended together. And it was like a super nice mix that was working. It's just like, I don't know, you see this, like it's mighty. You want to be part of it for sure. Mm -hmm. But then it was not like, okay, I, I was aware when I finished school, that was not only this. And also when you finish school, 
I don't know, you can be like the pretentious fuck going, oh, me, I just want to do this and this and that. <laughs> I and make some experience and work and meet people and slowly you're going to get there. It's going to happen if you really want it, but just, I don't know, take the experience and see what's coming. Like the first contract I, I got after school was a, a company from Quebec here called Oval. Mm-hmm. It would be outside show. And man, that taught me a lot. It was just uh, four shows a day, six days a week. I was doing stops and handstand in every show. It's not a very long show. It was like a 45 minutes. So maybe it was still a lot of show, four shows a day, six days a week. Yeah. Crazy. And like, dude, and it was this for like three months. I finished with that. Ooh, right. <laughs> oh my God. And I remember the next gig I had was a, a dinner show in Finland. And they were like, oh, is it okay if we do five shows a week? I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy peasy for sure. So I want to go back to your the strengths aspect because you are very known in the industry for being very strong and being very knowledgeable about training too. So when did you first started to actually work out more seriously? Uh, oh, way too young actually. Because uh, yeah, I was always like strength and so like, it's like I don't know. As a kid, like you, I was like I will, okay. I've always been a big fan of Batman. He was like my superhero. Was, like, fucking beef dude super strong smart he has everything just no power and that's really cool mm-hmm. but just, i grew up like watching at these people who had like amazing physics as well so naturally i was like attracted to this as well but it's more the the more i grew up the more i was like okay it's not about the look it's like the the strength feeling you get after a good training mm-hmm. and slowly like the progress that feeling is i don't know i'm still hooked from but as a kid, I remember my cousin was like training weightlifting. He would give me like a bodybuilding magazine. Okay, so oh, they look strong, this and this and that. And so I started lifting, but lifting like, I don't know, I had maybe a pair of like one or two kilos dumbbell. Mm-hmm. It's uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Bench made of wood that I took from my mom. And then when I came back from school, I was, I don't know, I started lifting I was like nine or 10, which is, a little early, especially if you don't know what you're doing because you the problem with these magazines like they put works workouts in there and you see the guy who's like huge and you think he's super strong but it's, it's like first of all they are showing you what they are doing right now not what they did to get there and that, there's a massive mm. difference to this and as a kid you have no idea about all that stuff you see like okay he's doing like uh, some heavy bench press stuff and uh, bicep mm. and that's it and you're just like okay boom let's go <laughs> So, and I wouldn't go nuts on that. Like I would come back from school, doing my homework as quick as I can. And then I would just leave for like two hours and a half on something. <laughs> With the bodybuilding magazine pinned on the wall. This yeah, is where no, I'm going after. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, my mom would take me out of the room like for dinner. And then maybe I would do a little more after. It's just like, you know, like you're young and there's something you really enjoy. You just want to get there. So you just fucking go for it. But that's why like, the more I look back at it, it's like, any kid that's looking at this, like, mm, please get him or even anyone, like, it doesn't matter how old you are, just get a good coach, like someone who's knowledgeable and has experience and can guide you to get there. It's like, okay, you want to become ridiculously big or strong or explosive or, okay, I, and not, not like I want to look like this guy because at the end you never end up looking like him, but you can like get closer to this. It's like someone that can guide you through that is so important. Like, I really got a, I like an actual coach that really follows me from A to Z now. It's uh, Eric Fastro here in Montreal. I started working with him in 2018. So that's actually very recent. Mm-hmm. 
And man, it made such a huge difference. Like I've been reading a lot. So of course I got better since I was, uh, I didn't like uh, lift uh, two pound dumbbells for like 20 years, come like a dumbass for <laughs> Because that's the time I was uh, like maybe 10 to whatever, 13 something years old. Mm-hmm. And also I had like little back issues and I made it so much worse. So I had to stop for a while, just do like a physio, like a kidney mm-hmm. in France. So you actually hurt yourself from not and lifting not properly. Hurt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just like my posture was going to shit, but naturally I have like a massive like scoliosis and my spine is rather quite crooked and, mm-hmm. and I made it a lot worse by doing this. So that, and so I had to take like a year off ish about all that stuff to just like trying to put it back together as, as much as I could, but there is some stuff is just going to stay that way. And I know even now my strength. And yeah. And after this, I started like more balance and like research used to put the magazine, like, and my, one of the coaches I had for circuits, were did like, just put it aside. So yes, you can lift weights, but do this, this just like, just to give you an idea of balance and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I started training a little bit better, but I've always been nuts about that. Like, uh, even up until the end of Montreal, which mm-hmm. is 2000, I graduated in 2011 and I would do like, I don't remember. It was like maybe 600 push-ups before bed. Yeah. And if I didn't do them, I couldn't fucking sleep. Like it's not in your body, it's in your fucking head. Like now I don't do this anymore. It's like you would go to bed and then you would turn and be like, oh, I haven't done my 600 yeah, yeah, push-ups. Just like, like, I it's like, I don't know, if someone quit smoking, it's just you don't have your door. Okay, there's nothing, something wrong. And you just like stand back up, you do them. It takes like whatever, half a, half an hour. You go back to bed, you sleep like a baby. You're like <laughs> 600 push-up in half an hour before sleeping every night. But, yeah. No, I was not about that. And I mean, even after school, like, you know, when you finish, you just finish, you're like young, strong, you feel like you have a lot of things to prove and actually you shouldn't because that's very stupid. Just do your thing. And, but it's cool. Like it makes you unlock some goals, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, just, like that's why for me it's like yeah, just get a good coach or someone actually can step in and be okay you can get there but just he- like health first like don't be a dumbass and fuck yourself up before you get there so even at your level now with all your experience all your knowledge you still have a coach that coaches yeah. through your I, I strength and conditioning yeah for sure like even after studying doing some diplomas and all that stuff because that's what i've been doing now for like um, three years like just mm-hmm. studying about that because i love that stuff even that, like having someone like especially for me like eric he's been like doing this for i don't know like 30 years plus and that's all he does like prepping athlete athletes he's a jiu-jitsu fanatic like he knows a little bit about circus and he can adapt and everything and his knowledge is freaking amazing and even if it's someone who's the same level as you, it's like someone can tap, take a step back and also look at you from afar and be like, okay, there are some weak points here and here and there, and we need to fix that. Because just fixing a weak link, it's going to make your strong points so much stronger than what they already are. Like, hmm. For example, antagonist work, like if we take something, I don't know, chest and back antagonist stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if your back is freaking weak, your bench is going to be crap. And even if you're very strong at bench, and you take care of your back, your bench is only going to get better. Like it's hmm. things like this. Sometimes just if you think a little bit about it and now that you get the knowledge for that stuff, it's like, man, sometimes it's simple thing that can unlock like amazing stuff. It's just, yeah, take care of your body, have a sense of balance and just have someone like who can guide you. And what do you think about that kind of mentality of like, oh, I, I'm an aerialist. I don't use my legs. I don't want to squat. Mm. Like squatting is going to make me, it's going to make my work 
worse or like, oh, I'm a hand-to-hand base or bunking partner. Like, I don't want to do pull-up. I don't need my back. Like, I just need to do squats. I, uh, this I'm still a little bit, but it's like find some kind of balance, but also you, where we are, we need to think about performance as well. Like for me, I remember when I showed up to Montreal, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I saw, I was doing handstand and handstand was the most, like I was practicing and it was hand to hand, a little bit of floor acrobatics and my legs were freaking tiny. Seriously, it was just like literally like tiny chicken legs. <laughs> and, and you could see that like, I can see like even people from now when I look at myself, I thought, okay, I look like a fucking ostrich, man. Why do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and, but when I showed up to school, also that's what they said, like, man, you have tiny legs and they are flexible. You can move them around easily. And it's true. It helps like for straps when you hang, you have to go to flag and all that stuff on one arm or whatever, even planching, like it's just physics, like it's lighter. So yes, it's going to make it easier, especially my legs. They are rather long compared to my torso. So skinny legs does help in that sense, but also not training them at all. It's fucking stupid in one way because there's still like balance upper lower that you, you need to work on it. Like since I started squatting, deadlifting and all that stuff, I feel so much better, like so much better. But that's good to know because it's hard to push that message. Yeah, yeah it is hard to push. And also you always hear like excuses on both sides. Oh yeah, but you can do that because he has chicken legs. It's like just train for it and then we'll talk. But at the same time, at the same time, it's like you can do a little bit of legs. Yeah. And of course, you don't want to have freaking massive uh, IFBB pro bodybuilder legs because you don't <laughs> yeah. have this when you do 10 shows a week. I remember like actually during the pandemic, like, so yeah, 2020, 2021, like I didn't train much circus because I went to school for muscle therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was lifting weights like twice a day for a while because Eric also knew I didn't have any shows. So I can, you come here, like we can like try some stuff and push like hard. And I was scared. Like, let's try like to gain some weight and like catch up a bit on legs. Like, and it was, I felt in regular life, I felt freaking amazing. It was perfect. Zero pain, nothing. And I felt crazy powerful. But as soon as I had to go back to circus, to go back to handstand, man, I was uh, like, usually my weight on tour is around like 80 kilo ish. Mm-hmm. For a hand balancer, it can be a little bit heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at like, I don't know, 86-ish, a little more maybe. Oh, and yeah. it's bad. And especially gaining a lot of legs, just doing a pike press. Mm-hmm. Just do one press and you breathe like a dying rhinoceros. You just you have to finish like, holy shit. <laughs> So you have to stop training. No, I didn't stop. I just uh, came down. It's like, okay, I'm going to, you want to maintain, but still like come down a little bit and just get the conditioning back you need for the specialty because well, you need to perform. And that's where your body feels good when you, like your body adapts to the demand, but you also need your to help your body to get there as well. You're not going to be, oh, I'm going to smash uh, I don't know, 10 sets or 10 squats every day. Like, I don't need that. It gets in the way. So yeah, it's just finding that balance in between, like to be, yeah. I don't know, like health before performance. That's it. Like just fix the weak point and then think that's your goal. That's the body you need to get there. Do you think there should, not there should be, but it would be healthy for circus artists to have a baseline of performance in all muscle groups and like everyone should be to train at least regularly a little bit each muscle group to can to keep a regular and overall balance and then train specifically instead of what's the main train now is to just train specifically what you need for your discipline. Well, I cannot talk for everyone because it's always case by case and you cannot put everyone in the same box, but still 
just as a rule of life, like you want to be functional in everything. Like just basics, like, I don't know, for us, like you want to be flexible, even if you're a freaking stiff, just stretch a little bit, do something like you, like, I don't know, like I have some friends that are acrobats, uh, but you know, David Henderson, for example, mm-hmm. you see this guy doing his splits, you're like, yeah, he's not flexible. <laughs> <laughs> but he still like trains for it, he stretches, he takes more of his body. So you still need to go through everything, at least a little bit, just to make sure it's there and healthy. Because at some point, if it's a muscle is... I don't know, like it's so like atrophied and you don't use it, it's, it's barely there. Of course, there's like some issues that are gonna show up from that. Like either you want it or not, it's gonna show up for sure. So yeah, like a small baseline and then like, like of course you need to train for the discipline you need. But also it's like in your discipline, it's like any program. So for me, I would go like have an evaluation to be like this discipline, like, okay, for if I take me, for example, like it, I know to shit on of upper body and pressing. So I need mm-hmm. to do a lot just to just to balance a little bit that stuff. And especially with my back, I need to do a lot of back stuff mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, it's like the, one of the last diploma I did for a strength sensei, it's actually one of the favorite coach I had that I started reading a lot about. And I learned so much from this guy called the Charles Polycon. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Eric, the coach I have now was a student from this guy. Okay. And man, this guy had so much like knowledge and just like small stuff. I just meant like, I remember when I started reading about this guy, I said, okay, I want to try it. And everything you would talk about that I tried, it freaking worked. Yeah, it was all like bullshit internet. Or you're going to look like the rock when you're trying like this, or you're going to have your body ready in two weeks or whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was like fucking amazed with that. So I started reading more and more and more and more about this guy. And he's like all about like evaluation. And you first thing you do, it's like, fix the weak points because like even for for me like you're just gonna start like pushing 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 but it's not falling in the back you're gonna it's gonna snap at some point there will be something wrong like Mm -hmm. but if you have like something that's balanced and controlled and it's gonna be way more stable stronger and it's gonna last much longer but yeah and also before that is just yeah think about health just basic stuff like nutrition sleep uh, take care of yourself So what would be your best advices for like, let's say acrobats who would want to train and to become stronger or like perform to a higher level and who'd want to integrate strength and conditioning or to have strength and conditioning, having a bigger part into their training schedule? Uh, First of all, it's like, see if it impacts your discipline or not. Because for me, for example, I love weightlifting and the older I get, the more I like it. I'm freaking hooked. But it gets the way of handstand like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember, I had a few shows when I showed up. Like, it's shitty. <laughs> so just yeah, just don't be dumb about it, and I don't know, like keep it far away from the show so you can have some recovery before before the show as well. Think about like I don't know. Overall, think about like the workload you have every week already, because like you have like stress level and like you, you need to balance match that stuff with recovery because otherwise you're slowly heading for a proper crash. And by just to guide you through this for me, it's simple. Like get a good coach, someone who has knowledge and experience. Right? He's going to be able to help you and you need to tell him everything. And when I say everything, it's like the good coaches that I follow. It's like these guys, if you talk with them, when you talk with the client, sometimes there might be some people in some question, you think they are like, uh, maybe personal. Yeah. But it's like, okay, what is your poop looking like? That's really weird. <laughs> no, it's like it's important. It tells you how your digestion is going. Do you absorb all the food you're eating, or maybe we need to adjust little things and this and that, or maybe mm-hmm. the timing, whatever. And all this stuff can have such a huge impact on your long term. I don't know. Me, I feel like the older I get, 
nutrition, for example, makes such a big difference. Okay. I remember at school, but I remember when you would like come show up to my place and make, I don't remember, it was like a, a steak that was like one kilo with like one yes. kilo. <laughs> yes. Man, if I do this now, I die. <laughs> <laughs> In which way nutrition is important, like having, making sure you're getting the proper nutrients for function and recovery. Yeah, and also for what's your goal, like I don't fat loss, hypertrophy, strength, stuff like this, like yeah. and something or I don't if you want to be really precise about it, for me it would be like uh, get your blood work done. Okay. And have like someone with the competence to look at it and say, okay, this and this and this is missing, and just maybe sometimes just a mag uh, supplement of magnesium is gonna make mm -hmm. just a big difference you're missing, stuff like that. But for me, yeah, it's just like I don't know. It helps in the sense that my digestion get a lot better when I'm when I perform. Like because even sometimes you know, like between shows, you have just one hour. You, if you don't yeah. eat, you just have no fuel for the shows coming. So yeah. Like, and if you eat too much, all your blood goes to your digestion, so that you you underperform when you're on stage. So right, well, yeah, the blood goes to your guts, and the food goes to your mouth when you. Have <laughs> <laughs> I had a few shows where it's just like, oh no. <laughs> Also, when we travel, you change country often, so your guts are not specially used to food. Like I remember when we toured Mexico, it was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> like I think this country hates me, or at least hates my digestive system, because right there, it was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you see out there in training or nutrition or stuff that you're like, mm, popular ideas that you understand being not accurate or like not true? Ooh, so let's talk shit. <laughs> but especially nowadays, it's like I try to, for example, if you just go on social media, I I love this place and at the same time I fucking hate it because like I don't know if I go on Instagram I can have like all the coaches and the nutritionists and all the people I like to learn from posting interesting stuff and you keep learning from them. But at the same time, you see so much bullshit and scam and stuff. Uh, from people that don't know shit, but they are good at marketing. And nowadays it's getting worse and worse. Mm. And like always using the image and like, okay, showing skin, if you do this, you're gonna look like me. And this is like, no, that's not about it. If you wanna help people, I actually mean it. It's like, okay, what's your goal? How can I help you? And I will do my best to get there. But you need to be realistic about it. And what are the conditions and this and that? And you need to adapt to everyone. For me, it's more like everyone, first of all, if a coach puts everyone in the same box to start with, so oh, this is that one program that's going to make you like this. Like, uh, no, that's bullshit. Fuck off. Mm -hmm. This is, might work great for you or maybe that special athletes that need these requirements. But I don't know if you have an old lady that's like 40 years old that's done just a tiny bit of acro yoga one hour a week in her life. And was osteoporosis and like that. Exactly. I mean, it's the same. Like you want to prescribe like uh, nutrition, uh, even if it's, um, okay, you are not allowed to prescribe stuff as a coach or uh, mm -hmm. unless you're like a, Certified nutritionist. Yeah, you need to know that stuff because otherwise you can actually hurt people also as well. Like if they, mm, okay, he had this condition, oh, I just give him this because usually it makes people bigger or stronger. It's like, yeah, but man, he has this and these issues and you cannot do that. And just, for me, that's more and more what's missing. It's all about like fame and money and just fake and marketing instead of keep it simple, the basics and just know your shit to make sure you're helping the people. It's... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's mostly the thing that tends to piss me off that I see online. I'm just like, ah, oh, God, man, these people, no. <laughs>
So for you, it's not about not putting everyone in the same basket because everyone has a different life, different stress level, different habits. So the same program would impact everybody differently. Yeah. Because everyone has different variables. Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, and it's program and nutrition. It's like same. Uh, food can be amazing for someone, but it can be a fucking poison for someone else. So just like you need to be aware of that, of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So getting to learn more about yourself and what do you need and having competent professionals that would be able to assess your needs. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, if you have a client that shows up, it's like the first thing you do, it's you sit with that person and you talk maybe for an hour if you need to, to learn everything you need. Like nowadays, it's all about like quantity instead of quality. And I think that we need to switch that stuff around because that's going to shit really then. I mean, I say that it's like a bit for everything. It's just like, I feel like it's just a big industry. And yeah, it's like as soon as someone is famous, you're going to follow and believe everything he says. It's like, man, it's not the person, it's the results. Like the that coach, uh, Charles Polycan, he used to say that like the success leaves traces. And that's true. Like that's mm -hmm. how this whole thing, he went all around the world to meet the coaches like that were getting results and this and this and that and put everything together. That's why he was so successful. Like he took the time to actually get the really good knowledge and bring it all together. And then he's getting amazing results. Like, okay, this works. And how many athletes did he send to the Olympics? I worked with 800 of them. Uh, and then actually the, one of the last diploma I finished was Strength Sensei, which uh, Strength Sensei was the name of this coach mm -hmm. of the last company he opened. And we just heard story about this guy. It's like, the result he would have were crazy. He was very like, he seemed to be like a very like hard going type of guy. It's uh, my way, my way. So, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's like when you have all that knowledge and experience, like, fuck, you want to learn from the guy. Like, this, this is why you need to eat and like put your ego aside and just learn, take it, mm. get the experience, and then like use it to help yourself and anyone around you. Yeah. And can I ask you about periodization? Because while we work a lot of shows, 10 shows a week. Sometimes it can be tricky to incorporate yeah. training within your schedule just because you can't really have a proper periodization. So for the listener who would not be familiar with the term, can you explain a little bit what periodization is and how, in your opinion, we can use it at our advantages with the show schedule? Uh, well, periodization... Usually, it's just, I don't know, for me, it would be more for athletes that have like uh, competitions. So they need to pick for one certain event. And that's the way you're going to manipulate all the training variables, like the intensity, the volume. You're going to change the programs according to the needs to make sure your athletes, like you get rid of the weak points. So it gets stronger and then it stays injury free. And then you can pick and like be like super high performance and show up like ready for the show performance, whatever competition he has. Mm -hmm. So then there's a lot of different ways to do that. Like you're going to hear about like all the different cycles they have. For example, you can have the micro, the meso, the micro. So macro can be fucking big. It's like uh, if your coach goes see an athlete for, for the next Olympics, which is in four years, it's like, okay, the goal is to do boom, this. So you start planning on four years ahead. That's freaking long. Mm -hmm. Meso, like, the, like shorter. And then you have like micro, it can be one week just to adjust a little stuff at the end. So it's really about just like picking to be like in amazing condition and ready for whatever is coming. So you have coaches who plan training four years in advance? After every competition, for example, I don't know, right now there's like the Olympic weightlifting competition that just finished. And you see like people like breaking world records and stuff. So it's like kind of sets the bar for everyone. And so they need to plan to be like at least there or more. Mm -hmm. 
So you need to plan and periodize accordingly. And your training is going to have to, like, uh, how can I say that? It's like, it's going to have to be adapted to make sure you get there. Like you cannot go, okay, I'm going to keep pushing like crazy because now your, your body cannot handle you to be like in competition condition like the whole time, no matter what's the discipline, which is the problem with circus because we are uh, like, for us, we don't pick for competition. We do 10 shows a week all the time, pretty mm -hmm. much. So that's why for us, like you need to like come down from that stuff and not be like, okay, like super high level peak performance. Like, yeah, you need the high level, of course, because you need to show on stage and like do something impressive. Like, yeah. But at the same time, you cannot be like, because I don't know, like take anyone, like a bodybuilder showing up for the show. It cannot be in like competition condition for the whole year. That's not possible. Like all these systems are going to crash. Like these guys are like a big skin body fat level. Yeah. And like all your hormone system, everything is going to crash. If you stay like a month like this, you're, you're fucked. You're done. Mm -hmm. But for me, the smart way to do it is to, okay, this is me like in peak condition. I don't know, like you went to the Festival du Cycle de Demain. Like, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, now that's a competition. That's the place to show up and like bring it all on and you just want your medal and give it your best. Mm -hmm. But then when you do 10 shows a week, even though you're going to give it your best every night on stage, that's what we do, but you need to be realistic that you cannot do that 10 times a week because your body, you're just going to get shattered. Yeah. So for us, it's more like to back off a little bit, like skip like some high level stuff, but like really manage to be like, okay, my energy is good. My body feel well, like no district can get injured easily, even though that's a really good one. So maybe it's sometime for special occasion and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So for us, it would be more, I don't know, like periodization maybe for the, the act you're going to present because uh, I don't know, okay. you had some totem, like, you know, the royal version of yeah. the, of the, like it's okay. No, so that's a really like special event or a special night or something. So tonight, boom. And then there's like the regular one, but then, of course the regular one, we need to keep high level. And I mean, <laughs> it's true. The first time I spoke about this with friends in the audience, they were just like, wait, so you do the good version only once in a while. And then we get the shitty version. And I was like, no, 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 it's not, it doesn't work. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's a poor, poor choice of word, but yeah, yeah. The, the Royal version of the show of an act would be the best version, like all the hardest trick, all the most intense stuff. But that's, of course, these versions are not. Yeah, exactly. And also the level of danger that comes with it, that goes even higher than what it is. Like, man, is it worth it? Like from the risk that are coming with this? It's like, yeah. It's like me, I don't know, like risk is also something that the older I get, the more I take a step back from this. Like in the act for handstand at the end, it's like seven meters high-ish. I don't know, it's like 25 or 27 feet, maybe something. I don't know. Because you, you do handstand on canes and then all through the act, you're, you're piling canes on top of yeah, canes. Exactly. You can building a big tower and at the end you do the whole hand, handstand yeah. sequences on top of the tower. That's it. And uh, I think, I don't remember the, the height. For handstand, you need to be hooked st starting a certain height. I remember when I show up in creation, they were like, okay, if you go up after I stack like three, I can do three without. And after this, I need to put the line because it's an insurance order. And if there's anything that goes wrong and I, it would be me going up without it, mm -hmm. like insurance would be like, yeah, no, that's not our problem if anything happens. So mm -hmm. you need to do it, otherwise you're out. And you know, at the beginning, it's a bit like, oh man, fuck it. I don't like it. You know, it's circus. Like you need to have the dangerous stuff or at least we like to try once, like without it mm -hmm. to be, just to know like, boom, I did it. And I, I know technically you can do it because well, the launch and handstand is not supposed to lift your ass like crazy every night. Mm -hmm. 
But at, at some point, I remember once we opened the show in Montreal, then we did Toronto and in Toronto, like the, the cage, when you stack them, they get loose and have to swing on them. So sometimes like the cone of the cane under that receives the one that's on top, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. the, the one, you, the hole you put in, mm -hmm. like with time and they get looser. And anyway, I have to do like the, they get loose. And I had to do the Jean-Claude Bordem middle speed. Yeah. <laughs> and one cane just like turned and my foot went off. I couldn't do anything because it was just getting loose with time. Yeah. So you just fell from the tower. But that was the line. Yeah. Like, okay, now it makes sense. Like, because 10 shows a week that happened once, you're done. Just like, dude, uh, yeah. yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And also, I don't know, for me, it's more about like swelling on stage, giving it my best and having fun. It's not a, anymore about like, okay, big tricks, big tricks, big tricks, boom, boom, boom. It's like, no, having a good time with the people and hopefully they're having a good time with me. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, for sure. How do you see your career evolving? Sounds like you find more knowledge and wiseness into your philosophy of training and into the way you're performing. How would you like to see things evolving mm -hmm. in the future? I find it a little hard to make plans on the long term right now because you feel like everything can change from one day to another. But right now, I had a shoulder surgery in September. So right now I'm in rehab in Montreal at the headquarters. Mm -hmm. I should get back on the show around like April or May or something like this. And the tour that's coming is really, really nice. I'm not allowed to share that right now, but yeah. <laughs> but really, really good. And I want to do it. Like I have a few years left when I really want to still enjoy that. And also I want to keep studying on the side. Mm -hmm. But after this, I think it would be like strength and conditioning coaching, like with some like serious, like nutrition stuff on the side, just to be able to take care of someone's health and then push it through performance, whatever the goal is. Like, I just want to be able to help that stuff and, and just keep it simple. Like I, I don't want to be that uh, Instagram famous million followers type of guy showing his tits for, uh, to get workouts and uh, attention. <laughs> no, just helping people. Like if I get to work with athletes and stuff, like during the, the pandemic, I studied muscle therapy, started working in this and I mm -hmm. get started working with athletes at the end. And man, I really, really liked it. Some swimmers, like ladies from a volleyball team, a wrestler, a bodybuilder, and all these guys, they're right, like, they're good, uh, this and this and that, like the, all the anatomy, the biomechanics and stuff is super interesting. I just love that stuff. It's the nerdy me uh, calling for uh, what's next. For the yeah. <laughs> so I think I would go through that, but right now it's a uh, circus still for sure. For the listener, what would be your favorite like workout protocols or strategies or plans? If you have like a top three of your favorite. Ooh, uh, well, for me. And also, uh, again, what works for me might not work for everyone, but, and also it's a question of taste. Because I know well, you tried it, the GBT workout. Like it's mm -hmm. simple, but ridiculously efficient with me at least. Would you want to explain what the GBT is? GBT means the German volume training. So for example, you, the concept is you have to do pair two exercises, big compound movements. So, and you, we want to like pair antagonists together. So you're going to have one day chest and back one day legs or so like quads and posterior chain mm -hmm. and one day arms, uh, bicep, bicep. And for chest and back, for example, you would pair for the first superset is like uh, pairing two exercises together. Mm -hmm. So you would do, for example, bench press and pull-ups. Okay. And you're going to do 10 sets of 10 reps for each alternating the exercise. So you do one set of bench and one set of pull-ups and you repeat this 10 times. Yeah. 
And also there's the an important component in all these workouts is the tempo. It's something that I also learned from this guy, uh, Strength Sensei and Eric, my coach. It's like the the way you do the movement, like they put numbers, usually they put four numbers. You're going to have, I don't know, if you say three, zero, one, zero, mm-hmm. three is the eccentric part, is the part of the movement where you stretch your muscle. Usually it's like when you extend, like if you come down from pull up, that's the eccentric part. Zero is the time you're going to spend in the stretch part. One is the concentric part when you shorten the muscle. Mm-hmm. The, the last number, the zero again in that case, is the time you use spend in a short-term position. So if okay. we write three zero one zero, it would be your pull-up, you come down in three seconds, pull up in one, three seconds, boom, boom, boom. And this influences a lot, like the performance or like the amount of reps you're going to do and all that stuff. So it's something also to keep in mind. And uh, yeah, so GBT 10 by 10, and then you do a, another superset of like uh, three sets of eight to 10 reps just to <laughs> finish nicely. But this is like very simple. Some people freaking hate it because it's the same exercise for the whole session. But I find it so efficient that I'm like, yes, please. This one, you found it very efficient. Like it brings good results. Yeah, it brings good results to me and to a bunch of people that I know tried it. But uh, then one of my really favorite is called wave loading. So basically you would do uh, same if we pair two exercises together, if we keep that bench pull-up stuff. Mm-hmm. For example, a wave is the amount of reps uh, you're going to do per set. So if I say, for example, seven, five, three, seven, five, three, seven, five, three, that's three waves of okay. coming down. In Each time the amount of reps come down, the weight goes up because you need to mm. keep it challenging. So you're going to like stimulate different muscle fiber and all that stuff. And also the, like the lower the reps you do, the higher the load is, and it's going to be like less muscle work and more uh, nervous system work. Like usually like pure strength is about like nervous system a lot and that stuff take a long time to recover. So you guys, if you ever do this, just uh, rest accordingly, even between sets and everything. Mm-hmm. This for me is one of the most efficient, like, especially if you want to gain mass or strength or me, usually it's like, I always like wave between these two. Mm-hmm. It's a great way you can manipulate the reps. So like I say, seven, five, three, because you're like in functional hypertrophy and strength in there. If you would do it in a hypertrophy st- style, you could do whatever, like let's say 10, eight, six, or 12, mm-hmm. eight, if you want to be in like in that uh, bodybuilding type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the goals, like if you do like three wave, like the second wave you're going to do, like you, see, you did your seven, five, three, second wave, the seven, you're going to up the weight a little bit. So, okay if you can get the weight you did for the before that's a really good one so each wave you want to make it a little heavier and the next week you're going to do this or the next time depending on the training speed you have every time you want but that uh, what we call the progressive overload which is that you always add a little bit of resistance to that pro- to the workout you're doing even if it's uh, no matter what's the program if it's just one rep or just a half a pound of a kilo whatever mm-hmm. the thing time Add is good, like we want that stuff because it's progress okay. and you want to keep the stimulus. Because the, if you don't do that, at some point, your body is going to get adapt to it. And if the stimulus day doesn't change, you don't get any results and you're just wasting time. So, changing your workout from session to session, even by increasing the weight a little bit or adding one rep or changing a little bit, is really important so that you keep challenging your body and your body keep responding and growing or becoming stronger from the training. Yeah, but progressive overload, I think, is the most basic thing you can do. 
like if you're a noob that never never lifted anything like i don't know i would put you through like some full body type of exercise at the beginning just to make sure you're balanced and also you can train only three times a week and that way you're gonna hit the like same muscle group many times a week by doing full body which is better because like especially for people if we are not using uh, whatever PEDs, mm-hmm. like performance enhancing drugs and all that stuff like the guy using this, they are like anabolic all the time. So you can stimulate a muscle once a week and that's completely fine. It's going to mm-hmm. stay in anabolic mode the whole time. Us, when you like push, let's say you're going to work on your bicep today or whatever, like it's going to be like after 36 hours, it's coming down. So you need to re-stimulate mm-hmm. it like soon after because you're going to go to anabolic. So that's why like for natural lifters, I would say like you want to stimulate at least every muscle group twice a week. Sometimes maybe three if you have a lagging muscle or if it's like a... Mm-hmm slow twitch muscle that can take more and you can like, I don't know, like your calf, you can train your calf every day if you want to, like, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just also something to keep in mind, like progressive overload and that stuff. But yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. Last, uh, one that I really, really like it's the six, 10, 20 or six, 10, 25, but it's just basically three exercise. First one for six mm-hmm. for the same muscle group. Sorry. There's so, so first one, you're going to do like six reps. Second one, you're going to do 10 reps. Third exercise, you do 15, 20, mm-hmm. 25 reps. It depends where you go. Like for example, if you were to work on your... Actually, there was a really good arm workout that I get from this, where you would do, for example, six chin-ups, 10 seconds off. And you had like some uh, inclined dumbbell press for 10 reps, 10 seconds off. And then you had like hammer curl for like uh, 20 reps. Yeah, we have like a minute and a half and then you do say like a tricep mm-hmm. or like three exercises for tricep and then you go back to the bicep. Start with your bicep, you do a regular split. First exercise, a compound movement for six reps more heavy. And then you do another bicep exercise for 10 and then a little bit lighter weight. And then you bring the weight down for 20 reps with a break of 10 seconds in between. One minute and a half break. And then you do the same construction before tricep. So you work both antagonist groups. Yeah. And as you said, it's really good. I really forgot to mention that's like for all programs in general, like uh, Charles Polyphon, the strength sensei, had like that thing to put like big compound exercise first because he wants to go for the more like bang for your buck type type of exercise, like the one you're going to get the most result from. Like for strength-wise, hypertrophy or metabolism, all the stuff that's going to push it. For example, if you compare a back squat versus a leg extension, well, back squat is going to smoke your body way faster than uh, leg extension. It's way more demanding. So you want to put that mm. stuff at the beginning of the workout. So multi-joint mm. exercises first. Uh, yeah, I tend to go for a compound exercise, especially if you travel, if you don't have time and stuff. Like uh, same, I was talking with the coaches last time I saw them and they were saying like, for example, when you go for a seminar, you don't, you don't have time, you show up, you have only 20 minutes. So just take one or two compound exercise and smash it for 20 minutes. That's way more efficient than going in a corner, do some uh, concentration curl or light raises, which is like mm-hmm. an acute isolation stuff. I'm not saying it's bad. And of course mm-hmm. you can do it and you should do it a little time. It's not the priority, especially if you want results and like put your, like take your metabolism up. It's just big stuff I'm going to give the most result for sure. Now you have your three favorite protocols. What would be the three advice besides finding a proper coach? Trust the process. And as a general thing, it's like see things long-term. 
Like don't chase the quick results because those either they're not gonna happen because it's not realistic. And also, yeah, don't be shy on recovery. Like as people say, it's like train hard, but rest harder. It works together. It's like, yeah, training is one thing is the front part of it, but like the nutrition and sleep is the stuff that makes it like the whole thing happen. Like if you want it to work, like those three go together. Training, eating and sleeping. But it's so basic too. And nowadays, like people, I don't believe like, I'm sure like you've heard about that stuff. Like it's coming out there more and more. Like the, our stress balance mm -hmm. now compared to before, like, you know, how our system, like the, you, I don't know if you heard about mm -hmm. like the fight or flight response. Our, like our nervous system is made to like answer for threats that are like, immediate and very intense, not like some stress that might be lower, but it's there constantly mm -hmm. and just fucks up your system. Like so many issues are just coming up from this. So that's why I think the stress management in general is in general is it's a big one. Like you don't be shy to seek help for that because it's gonna help you in the long term, whatever it is. Like for me, I know it's like I have a hard time coming down after a show, like when the adrenaline is up, like just to get to to go to sleep after. Sometimes if you have a big day, you have three shows and you know you have two more, and there's one that's early because it's Sunday. Like you want to go home, you want to sleep right away, but you can close your eyes and stuff. Like that's when you want to get help and make sure say, okay, what helps me like coming down? What is it? Like, I, I, it doesn't matter what it is because mm -hmm. it can change from people to people. Like I freaking love mm -hmm. that and it helps mm -hmm. me come down. So I do that. So like taking magnesium at night helps me. Okay. I'm, I feel quiet and I can come down and get some sleep. Just all that stuff like stress management is uh, yeah, a big one for everyone. It doesn't matter if you circus or not. Very important. Yeah. Um, I have one last question for you. If tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how would you describe Cirque du Soleil to them? Uh, what? I'm so <laughs> shit at this. <laughs> like every time I have interviews, even for PR, when they ask me these questions, like, I want to help. I want to do my best, man. I'm so bad at talking <laughs> about this stuff. And they know it, so now they just don't take me for PR anymore. <laughs> it's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, I would just invite them to the show instead. That would be much. Uh, the... You would say, I'm, I'm not good at answering questions. Yeah. Come to see the show, you're going to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you go uh, bother the artistic director, see if I can grab a pair of tickets for you and, uh, and the family. And uh, so you get your own idea. And, but yeah, no, I would say maybe like, yeah, it's just like, Fun, big tricks, good moment, adrenaline, emotion. But again, do aliens have any of that stuff? I have no idea. <laughs> If you don't uh, eat, go home. I go for it, my dude. It's all right. <laughs> okay. Well, Ben, thank you so much for taking a bit of your time to come and chat with me. I wish you a very prompt recovery. Oh, good, no problem. And that the whole world can see your beautiful mustache on stage very soon. Oh, yeah. I'm going to. Put this thing on and check my titties for the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take care, bro. Hey, have a good one, man. Take care.